You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk, and hello, listeners. Hello. I have chocolate in my mouth, so... That's a good way to start the podcast. <laughs> start with chocolate, end with whiskey. I wish. No, I don't like whiskey. No, bourbon. Wine. Is that whiskey? Beer. Wine and beer. End up with wine and beer <laughs> all mixed in one glass. Mmm, delicious. Anyway, uh, what was the before the after the show discussion? Oh, we were talking about this movie, so that will come mm-hmm. into the movie. Uh, we have nothing left to talk about in our marriage, just these movies that we watch. Into this movie review. Because... <laughs> um, we could discuss what we're talking about, but it's probably more applicable into the movie, right? All right, so this is uh, Saturday, February the 20th. This is after the show number 415. The movie we're looking at this week is Steve Jobs. It's a 2015 movie released on Blu-ray this week, the 16th of February. You can pick it up now. Rated R from our friends at Universal. And uh, we're reviewing the Blu-ray. Sid Talk, what's the synopsis of Steve Jobs? Who is Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs was, he has now passed, he's died. Oh, spoilers. He was the, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you don't know that Steve Jobs is dead, I don't know where you've been living, but, um, he was the guy pushing ideas from the early days of Apple, the creation of Apple, Apple II, Macintosh, etc. Sort of the CEO of Apple at the end there. And the big picture guy. People call him a visionary. I don't know. I guess. In this movie, however, it's a... it is not a telling of any part of his life in any accuracy. Let's be very honest. It's a Hollywood movie written around the idea of this guy. It's not a dramatization either. No, it's it has a also been told story. it's a story. Every little bit of it is not true, except that the events you see are true. Obviously, there were press conferences for each of the releases of each Everything, of Apple yeah. products or the next and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is, like, true. But as far as any relationships, conversations, none of it is based on reality from what we can tell. And I'll just say you should always think that when you watch a movie that claims to be about a person. So, in essence, it could be a fictional story about a person so driven to make his... In his mind, his vision of something come to reality that it sort of leaves a wake of, you know, not pleasantness behind them. That's the story that they're telling. And they've just used Steve Jobs as an iconic image to tell their story. I believe that's kind of how, to me, that's interpretation. From what I just, uh, well, let's go into the movie. From what I just read uh, about, you know, the real events which I knew some of from watching that movie Pirates of the of Silicon Valley years and years and years ago um, and reading about him. There is truths in this movie, but the main truths in this movie are there were the Apple existed, there was press conferences to yeah, launch... That's what I'm saying. Real events are... To launch you products. Deny. And um, he also had a child to... A woman. A woman who's <laughs> not his wife. Yeah, let's say. Um... Basically what I just said. Uh, he also, you know, had a relationship with his, uh, what do you call her? 
In the movie, there's none. Assistant. No, I don't mean a, a relationship. I mean... He, he, Friendship. He, they were... Like, in the movie, they're, they're not... We don't get any personal information whatsoever. So you have to go on the movie. She yeah. is his assistant. She is the driving force behind getting shit done, which is what every assistant really is all about. They are the meat and potatoes behind the person who claims to be the visionary. That without the person like her, like in this movie... Shit don't get done. No. Nope. <laughs> Basically. And that's the por- that's the portrayal of that relationship that I took away. Now, my opinion of this movie is, um, you know, I-, I love computers, obviously. I'm not an Apple person. And I said to you the other day, I've never, ever bought an Apple nope. product. I and do I'll a- explain why. I haven't after you say I do it. appreciate Apple. You know, obviously, they changed, they do did change the world with certain things that they made. You know, the, well, let's not, they did change the world. Somebody else would have come along and yeah, done the same. Yeah, they're not an isolated I mean, somebody thing. would have come along and Absolutely. done the same thing. But they did it first. So the iPod, yes, it's an Apple thing that happened at the, exactly the right time. And let's not forget, an iPod is simply an MP3 player, which there were hundreds of other types being invented at the exact yeah. same time, if not earlier. It's just the marketing behind yep. Apple made it desirable for they people. don't live on an island of innovation they don't sit over there and invent shit that no one else has ever heard of or no one's ever thought of or that they don't steal other people's ideas and, you know, and whatnot like 70 percent of people with smartphones have an iphone it is the most popular iphone in the world and you know what i don't have one i use one at work and i hate it i absolutely hate it i hate the interface i hate the cl- it's a clumsy to me i is don't it- know I is it a like new it. one or is it? Yeah, old? it's a new one, brand new one, and I don't, I don't dig it. It's, it's not just because I'm not familiar with it. I mess with it, you know, every week. But but to be said though, they do, they did change. They things. sell you on an idea, yeah. and fortunately, there is some hardware there to back it up. So what I really like about this movie is um, its structure, and it's a very Danny Boyle type thing. Now, I like this structure, and I also dislike this structure in parts. What I really liked about the structure was, it's not your typical biopic-type film where it follows somebody's life, like Trumbo last Mm -hmm. week. It's not like that at all. It takes place around these three press conferences that Steve Jobs was about to do that launched three important products for Apple. And the whole thing, it's almost like a stage play, Mm-hmm. It's it's like it it all takes place, either people in a room talking, people moving from one place to another talking backstage. Yeah, it's a backstage kind of leading up. Now I I loved the structure. I thought it was awesome the way it it almost felt like you were on a journey, moving around. You know, just the way like sometimes they go out of a room, go somewhere else, come back. It it always felt like it was moving. But then there was one thing I didn't like about the movie, um, and that was. When it comes, the way this movie works is when it comes up to the press conference, you know, it's all the him getting ready for the press conference. When the press com- conference comes, then they cut away and you don't see any of the press conference, not even the first few minutes or anything. I feel like the rug's been pulled away, like, and I'm like, oh, really? I wanted to stay with that story for a minute. I wanted to see how the crowd reacted to it. Um, I wanted to see Steve, whether he changed when he got on the stage, you know, but we never really get to see that in this. I know you can go and watch the real mm-hmm. press conferences. and I think that, to me, is why I don't care. But that version of Steve is not this version of Steve. I would have liked to see Fassbender's version of Steve kind of change when he gets on the stage, and, and that's him. Like, he, you know, he's giving the thing to his fans. He's almost... They almost portray it in this movie as well, a bit like... 
all the fans are kind of, it's, they're all stamping the feet and it's like a, kind of the cult of Apple, mm-hmm. people say. They almost portray it that way. But I, I felt a little bit like, oh... Yeah, I'm but really... is that because you're sort of techie nerd guy? Yeah, I wanted to see, like... Because I couldn't care less about the press conferences. I want to move on to more of the relationship stuff. Keep going with, tell me now, six years in the future, eight years in the future, ten years in the future, what, where, where has he moved forward in his intellect, in his uh, emotional development or not? And the press conference doesn't tell me anything about that, so I guess that's why. But I, I was... Um... Presently surprised the way they did the third act, the iMac launch. They actually showed you him rehearsing the iMac launch. So you did get to see him in his element a little bit. Because I was like, wow, he's really lightened up when he's doing that. When you see him, he's kind of... I don't know, he's like a tight bundle Mm -hmm. to me when he's in the back. But when he was stood on the stage and he pulled the cloth off the iMac... To nobody, just to the people... Just to his friends, really... You could see that change in him, like he, like that's. I don't where like he, they were his friends. <laughs> oh, not his friends. Yeah, <laughs> just the people he worked with. But there was a change in him there that you did get to see a tiny little bit there. But I wanted to see that with the real people, with the people, like you know, which you don't see in this movie. Which I felt like I was a bit. You know, no, then I feel like then you're seeing the fakest thing that the world is already seeing that we already supposedly know. We don't know anything from those press conferences or from his interviews. But we've all seen that side of the mirror. You can go look at it all you want. I don't need a re... Then I can watch the movie, put up two videos side by side, and go, oh, look, here's the press conference from the movie, and here's the press conference from real life. Even if it was only two minutes of a, of the beginning part, or just the unveil of something, like where he... This movie doesn't cover the iPod launch, but there's a very, very iconic moment where he pulls the iPod out of his pocket and holds it up, and it's a, and tells you what it is. And at that time... Is that his thing? His shtick is pulling shit out of his pocket? Yeah, it is. And look, his, his shtick was actually the one more thing. He would do a whole... Co- he will do a whole press conference. They'd do all the crappy, boring... Uh, so that was the one more thing and that And then day. he'd go one more thing and pull something out that nobody knew anything about up to that day. Like, And it was like, oh, holy shit, they've just come out with the iPhone. What the hell? Like, we didn't even know Did that. Did he do that at the iMac? At the end of it was no, it the No, it was after the iMac. What, and I have to say, this movie only covers up to the iMac. So if you're... The iPod, the iPad the iPhone, things of today are not in this movie. But everything up to that is. So that might disappoint some people, I don't know. Why? It's just a story about a guy. It's not about the technology. Also, it doesn't cover his death. It doesn't cover... I mean, it's, if it's a story about his guy, the guy, it doesn't cover his illness whatsoever. Like, no, I think it, it's a story about the kernel of the idea of any human who is driven. That is it. And he happens to symbolize... He happens to be in that category of humans who... Despite being just like the rest of us, just born and living and all the frailties of humanity that we have, has risen to a different height in his industry or in his little world of technology, <laughs> little world. But that's what it's about. Not about him dying, not about his, you know, but that's the kernel of the idea is can a person be that? And still be like a human being to everybody. And every story we see about these types of people, that doesn't seem to be the case. You know, there's always a comp. You always you comp. You cut half of you off when there you is go a to line in that. this movie that Seth Rogen slash Steve Wozniak says, <laughs> where he says you can be. What's well, to paraphrase it exactly? You can be creative and driven or whatever, and still be a good person. Yeah, be a good person and that. Which Steve 
doesn't believe he can be. I don't know. I get I get, I get nothing from this character hardly, really, as what? far as his point of view of any of that. I see a very a shell of a person. Is kind of how I mean play. I mean we'll get to the performances in it, but I mean as a story, I see a shell of a person being told. It's a little bit that there is a hollowness. You know, there is, and I don't think any person is that. No. So you're getting like a cylinder with a mirror on the outside of what everybody thinks he was and what all these stories tell you that he was. And now we're getting a portrayal of what that is, like a hard-driven, doesn't care about your feelings, only cares about moving forward, only cares about innovation, innovation. And that's what we're seeing reflected back from Fassbender. From the story around us, from all the relationships. Didn't seem like it was really about money either. It was really more about um, the product and whether it was right. And I like he was obsessed. The, with I don't think it's about that. The, no, I'm not saying this movie's about that. I'm saying with the, no, with the Steve Jobs as a person. Yeah, I feel like he was like a singularly focused kind of laser beam guy, and whatever it is, be it the yep, he could have been anything. Be it the the iPod or the Apple Mac or whatever he's making. That is all that matters that, that for that year or two years of his life. And it could have been anything. And how, how I felt was all the other things, such as the child, any interaction with anybody or anything is just an annoyance that's around the edge of trying to do this thing. That's how Fastbander portrayed it to me. I don't know if that's how he was. I'm sure he wasn't because nobody can be that like <laughs> cold to everything. I don't know. I think so. He was, as we know, in real life, he was married. Um... He's almost villainous in this movie, in in a way. Like, to to the outside world, anybody worked with but him. But has any story you've ever heard of people who actually knew him and were close to him, anything different from that? Yeah, mm-hmm. very different. Other yeah. than the creative part and all that. I mean, as far as, like, driven and could be difficult and yeah. could be demanding. Yeah, that's everything we've heard. Then you hear a few stories peppered in there about... Where he was, um, you know, really kind, or he'd give a kid this, and he went to a kid in hospital, he was dying, and, you know... Right, but that is... this If he likes algorithms and percentages, that's over here, and the rest of it's this big, so... But, yeah, that's how I saw this movie. Like, he's a singular man, he's focused, and everything else is annoying, or noise in the background of what he's trying to do. And like you say, like you say, you know, maybe he's not great, Maybe I didn't say that. No, I'm saying maybe um, Steve Jobs wasn't a programmer. I think people think that he invented everything. Nope. No, like no, he, he didn't, didn't make anything. Steve Wozniak actually invented yeah, the Apple II. He didn't II. engineer. He didn't program. He didn't write. He didn't do any of the things other than maybe some in the early stages understanding. Obviously, he knows. Yeah, the fundamentals. Of all the stuff that he's moving forward, and well, if we have a processor that does this, why can't this processor do that? Oh, right, make it happen. He couldn't make it happen. So if he thought, I need to fit a thousand songs in my pocket, he has no connection from that idea to the reality, other than finding people who can The people who know that are the people right. who works for him. And right? the fact is, if someone says to you, well, I, yeah, that's going to be difficult, he's just that hammer that keeps saying, do it, do it, do it, do it. Which is... So, like I said, he likes to use people in his shows, and it kind of reflected in his... At least that one last press conference, you know, Muhammad Ali and Bob Dylan and, you know, those people had themselves, their talent, their own creations, their own time and effort invested in everything that they then put out into the world. They were their own spokesperson for their own talent and what they've created. He created an idea 
and a culture of an idea. And I don't know, I'm not saying it's better or worse, but I have a hard time when I don't get the idea that he's the person who sat there and No, he did, and we did know it. we know because they started off in this garage. That's and, not disparaging. And how, I be- how I believe it would have happened if he could have done all that stuff, there would have been no Wozniak. He'd have been doing it himself. Right, exactly. The reason Wozniak was sat there was because Steve Jobs needed somebody to solder boards and make a thing. I, I can say to you... Yeah. <laughs> I, I want I, I really want a like, cool computer that will do everything and then say, but that will never happen because I don't know what to do. Well, you could also say to me, you could say... I have a great idea for a mural. It'd be fantastic. I want this here and that here and this there and that here. Do it. Well, I go paint the mural and you get all the credit because you thought it up. Now, there's this chicken before the egg thing. If without the idea, the person who executes the idea wouldn't have an idea to execute and vice versa, right? Without the person to do the programming, there is no thing. Without the idea, there is no program. It's like goes around and around. But his personality... And his, whatever deep-seated needs he had to be what he became is separate from the technology world, I believe, 100%. And I got that vibe a bit from this movie, which is interesting, because they're not telling that story necessarily. But that if you had put him as the head of a hospital or a principal of a school or the guy in charge of my local print shop, that any of those things he would have been, he would have risen above, and it would have been that print shop run by Steve Jobs. Not that there are 50 people there who do all the work, but that Steve Jobs yeah. is, you know what I'm and saying? And the, the line that Wozniak says... And I get says, that vibe totally from this whole story. The line that Wozniak says in this movie where he says, um, I'm sick of being Ringo. That's actually... That is what is happening there because Ringo <laughs> was as creative in the Beatles as the rest of them, but Paul and John get all the attention and this is what's happening in Apple... When you think of Apple just as an average person, not a customer of Apple either, yeah. all you think of is Steve Jobs. Or, or well, the, that's not accurate for me, but... What whatever. do you think of? The iPod? I just think of it. The item itself. Well, I, if, if I... <laughs> and the logo. If I say... I mean, Steve Jobs is a figure that but people who don't me, even know what it is... If you say know. iPhone to me, I just think of the phone. I don't think of anything else. Yeah, well, I... Well, all right then. Maybe you not, but... I think a lot of people, when they think of Apple, think of Steve Jobs. They don't think of John Scully. They don't think of no. Steve Wozniak. They, th- he's the he was or the, the other guy who you probably never even heard of, Andy. Yeah, Maskowitz. he was the guy who wrote the Mac OS, <laughs> exactly. right? So <laughs> the guy that we don't even know his name for. Which, when you think about him, he is more integral than it. Well, the the hardware has to exist, but as it shows you in this movie, that software actually meant more than the hardware at the end of the day having yeah. the software when they didn't have the software and then it ended up yeah. them selling the software back to apple and then going back to apple the software's actually the thing that is valuable even in today's world you pick up your tablet or your smartphone it doesn't matter about the tablet or smartphone it has it, they're all kind of the same yep it's the app isn't it that facebook or twitter those are the experiences so those are the things and, like, one thing that he said, in his character says in the movie, I don't know if it's real, but, like, people don't want to sit and program and write in DOS right. commands and all that shit. I agree. They Universally, he had that idea 100% And his right. thing was, even when she said, when she was kind of picking at him about being all nitpicky, about, yeah, that people want the curved windows or, you know, he, he was 
very early on saying, no, people don't want to look at a DOS prompt. They want a cool looking interface with a clock and a weather widget. But I think it's him who wanted it. Yeah, I think it's him. Yeah. But so, yeah, don't look at this movie. I think it's it's a hard movie. It's a funny one because it's at its heart, it's telling a story of Steve Jobs and Apple. Steve Jobs specifically. But none of it's really true. Um, so you can't use it as a biopic at all. It's just an entertainment piece. A, a character study a character study based on a book that somebody wrote and just taking bits out and then adding bits. Yeah, loads of bits. So, yeah, they it, even admit it, which is my issue with they these totally stories. Admit it, yeah. Yeah. It's not like they tried to hide anything. To they take said, a fictional story and apply it to a real person and try to pretend, at least on the surface... That you're telling the story and then later say, oh, no, no, we weren't telling his story. No, 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 no. Because it's very... The thing in, is, you're just telling the story that you could have used completely fictional characters in and told an, made an equally good movie, even more dynamic probably because you could have really pushed the fiction more. You can't fictionalize that Steve Jobs, you know, went to outer space or anything because he didn't. Right? You can't add that to it. But you could have made an equally good movie... Because none of the other movies that Danny Boyle makes are really based on a real person, right? Apart from 127 Hours. Right. And even then he says, I did the same thing. It I wasn't exactly like stuff, how it happened. Yeah. I added a bunch of stuff because then there's Visually. the thing. The question is, if the story isn't interesting enough to tell it the way it was, then make up an interesting story and don't make it about Steve Jobs. But then, how do we sell our movie? We make it about Steve Jobs. So... That's my, other than the high, it's high quality. Every performance is, I mean, I am mesmerized. I'm lost in every character. I'm totally there with every scene. I loved it. That's what I was saying. It it is a very high quality. Danny Boyle makes high, he makes fantastic movies. I said to you. Mostly. (laughs) I I went and looked through it. You know, we've seen all of Danny Boyle's films and I looked through and I was like, he makes, yes, he's made a couple of not so good movies, but he, in the majority, makes really awesome movies and, um, this movie, it is quality start to finish. It's it was compelling for me, just and, it, and it's a lot. It's just talking. It's I was thinking, holy crap! How did they remember all this? This is a lot of lines. Aaron Sorkin's scripts are very talky, like, and there's a lot to it. It's complicated, and that's what this movie mostly is. Like I say, it felt like a screen. You could do it on a stage, you know, dro- drop the three different um, stages in there for the three acts, and it would be a stage play. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it found it really compelling. I wasn't hundred percent sure watching it because I'm not super up on Apple. I've not read that book. I wasn't hundred percent sure what was true, what wasn't true. I knew it was a bit. But you'll never know what's true, even if you read the. No, so I was just watching it on the basis of, oh, okay, I'll go with this while I was watching it, until I watched the extras and he kind of kind of said all that. I was but see, that deflates with... it a bit. Mm. No matter how good it is, it deflates it when you, you believe you've just been told a story where someone's trying to convey to you the story of how somebody's life that has impacted others, how it kind of went down. And then you're sold on the idea, whether we're right or wrong, that we should buy into a Hollywood movie. And then someone pulls that little plug like on the bottom of your floaty thing in the pool and just like... Yeah. And all the air goes out of it. And you're like, what I'm left with then is, again, a shell of a person, a shell of a story, 
that's got all these bits and pieces kind of like, oh, well, it shouldn't have been him and it shouldn't have been Apple. But if you tell a story that looks like that, then people are going to go, why are you telling Steve Jobs' story? You know, so, but it's it's weird. It's a weird, like, it's a weird thing to... Yeah, don't take license with people's stories if you can avoid it. And they can avoid it. If people are still living and you're writing a movie or telling a story about them, you don't have to take license with them. Unless they're so incredibly boring. And if they're that boring, then Then, you're not writing a story about them. Now, if it's a story that happened 500 years ago and we don't have a lot of information, I don't know. I guess you get a pass because there's nothing else you can do. And Aaron Sorkin, who wrote this, also wrote The Social Network. And The Social Network is exactly the same deal as this movie. It is a fantastic movie, very well made, very well acted, but don't take it as gospel as that. How fa- that's how Facebook happened. Like it's, it's a dramatization of but some of even. the events. All yeah. of it again, lots of yeah. li- lies. It's a lie. Lots of fancy stuff to make a movie look better, which yeah. In this movie, spoilers. <laughs> if you don't know about Steve Jobs, there is a very dramatic scene in this movie that actually I, I felt tense while I was watching it. And it's between um, John Scully and Steve Jobs. And it's a argument, and then eventually it leads to a resolution between them. Like a, like a, ba- a basic, let's shake hands and call what has, go- what has gone, gone. That, is, that never happened at all. Like, right. it, it is, that was never resolved. They never spoke to each other again. In this movie, they tied it in a little bow and made it a happy little ending. And for what reason? Unnecessary. Yeah, yeah unnecessary. Uh, only from a writer's standpoint where you're like, well, I need to tidy up all the loose ends. So, yeah, that would be nice if he did resolute, you know. But in real life, and real life's life, nothing happened. They fell out and never spoke to each other again. That's also a good story. Absolutely. That, that two people just can never get back together because of a, and a difference. And that the person who still... Goes in that direction, and the person who goes in that direction. So I found that in here to be, I don't know. It's tacky a little bit. Yeah, it's like it's like I just need to tie my story up in a nice little bow because that it brings some feelings to people and they like it. Because how you tie that story up if it's real, if you're gonna go real and you know that they never resolved it, then you show a shot of the other guy watching Steve Jobs on TV, and he's just sitting there watching him, like, and you know instantly, that's it. There is no resolution to this. And we're all smart enough to understand that that would have been... I think that's more powerful, even. And that could have been... That's more plausible, once you find out that they never resolved it, that that guy might, on the day that he knows, (laughs) that if just Steve Jobs is going on TV again, he might turn on TV with his arms crossed with a drink in his hand, like, okay, fucker. (laughs) Let's see what you got to say this time. Or even with that thought of, we could have been good together. Like, that, which they try and do, you know... Imagine if we. So that's the writer's idea. Yeah. Oh, what things you could have done. Yeah. And I'm going to apply this to my non-fiction story, but with a fictional thing. And yeah. It's just, you it's can a feel the writer's process yeah. in that whole thing there, and that's the part where I was kind of like. Mm. Now a lot of people aren't going to care. No, because right? it does make a good story. But they'll watch the movie and then take away like, oh, Steve Jobs was X Y Z, and the fact is, no, Steve Jobs in this movie is a fictional character. They just. In my mind, that's what I have to. Apply. You just need to go away, read that book. Yeah, but we don't even know if that. You don't even know if well, that, that book was. He shadowed him for for three years. Right, that but that's still. You you could have heard a conversation, wrote it down in a way that Steve Jobs then later said that did not happen that way. You know, so you. Don't I, I, I imagine. Well, 
from what his wife says, what I was just reading, his wife and John Scully, the book is very Steve. That you can feel Steve in a book. Right, but still doesn't mean it's accurate. The movie, none of them said they they can they 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 don't recognize that version of Steve. Like they just don't recognize it. So it's a movie. Is that a thing of to Fastbender or the way they wrote it or? It's the way they they say they they weren't saying it was about Fastbender. They were saying it was that side of his that singular side of a character of that guy. Steve's that part of Steve wasn't that hard. Like he did have a motivated part, but it wasn't a fuck everybody, get out of my way, like I'm coming through kind of thing. It wasn't that. I didn't feel that from the movie, necessarily, but... A little bit, though. I mean... I felt... Because I've known a couple of almost men... Like that are everybody's idiots. Attitude. Like, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I've known yeah. a couple who have a very... They look at the world through what she says is a distorted reality. Yeah. That you Field. have your... And you are above everything. And you can't grasp how people don't get you. And there is ultimately a hurt person inside of there trying to bulldoze their way through. And I can see that. That there's a compassion mixed with, I'm going to show you all. I'm just going to show everybody. But I'm not going to tell you that that's what I'm doing because that would make me look weak. My favorite part of the whole movie, and it's a weird little part, is... His daughter asks him the same question twice. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes to his assistant and says, I'm a bit worried. My daughter has asked me the same question twice. I know she knows it. Why, you know, and she, what she says back, she tells him, understand, you know, this is what kids do sometimes. And he goes, are you qualified for <laughs> that whole thing? That whole, I thought that was awesome. Like, cause it was like somebody like him who, you know, kids and all that is so far away from his from mind. What what's depicted. Yeah. We don't know. Um, that is a good react. Like that's the reaction I would expect. You know, like I need to ask somebody else who's got the Qualified. manual on kids. <laughs> yeah. But maybe you're not that person. Like, because I don't see any kids around you. Like you know. Um, so yeah, I love that. So let's move on to the cast. Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs. What do you reckon? Quality. I mean, there's really nothing else you, you can like. Say. He's lost in it, which I, I appreciate. You yeah. know, I mean, he's he feels like. Because we've seen him in enough movies now to know no, the differences not, yeah. between how he is. And um, there are just the subtle things that he does. And you can tell later you watch the extras and they talk about rehearsals. And you can tell. It is very theatrical. I felt it all the time. That a lot of the movements the actors were doing, a lot of the interactions, the way they were looking at each other. It was all very much like stage performance. Yeah, now that's a- because they spent months rehearsing they workshopping said. it yeah so you can feel that and yet that's what gets those refined moments of like the littlest thing where he just tilts his neck and straightens his shoulders and it messes with his tie a little longer than you think he should or he does the yoga thing which i felt like yeah that's just something he did and they're like oh yeah cool let's go with it you know so him i felt like he wanted to tell this story or be this person Without being disrespectful, but not necessarily to Steve Jobs, but just like, you know, because he knew he wasn't doing it like a biography or whatever. But getting in the idea, in the mind of a person who is maybe different from him, but then maybe similar. Because, you know, anybody who's ultimately famous because of a skill or a talent most likely has that in them, that driven personality. And he seems to identify with that a little bit, and that he let that all rise to the top, and I it's, felt that all the time. It's like a, 
It's certainly a powerhouse kind of performance. It's like he's I he's not a fast he's not being Michael Fassbender. No, like, no. You know, he's it's lost he's lost in it. Absolutely. From the start to the finish, I don't think there was any time where I was like I you know, you forget, you think you're it's it's a interesting I wonder like, what it is about person like Steve Jobs or anybody else that you think of who's at the top of a thing that we've all heard of names, you know, like performers, actors, politicians, everything from good to bad, dictators, presidents, kings, and well, kings and queens are kind of, that's a different category, <laughs> but people who have risen to the top on the back of their own motivation. Hmm. What is the difference between them and me and you? Because me and you, we're not that. Mm-mm. I don't have a thing. I don't have a drive. I believe it's some brain wiring. The way that they... Yeah, something that... Yeah. The way they think. The way what matters in the brain most. Or something drives people forwards. That they don't let the other stuff that we that other people would say, well, you know what? I can't go... Like, my thing would be... Well, white people ask me, why don't you just do art for a living? Right? Why don't you just do that? Well, there are other things that... I've attached to my life that distract me and that's fine with me that that one goal of spending 10 12 16 24 30 hours at a time painting and drawing so that I can get more work done and get in the gallery and go fly here and fly there. that's what you got to do right you got to devote well it's like now, the, the things I've thing. wanted to be important to me through my 20s and 30s number one was being drunk so that wasn't highly important but at the time it was or my family or my friends, that that all stuck to me more and it clouded me up in a good way to me, right? But at this personality we're talking about, none of that sticks. No. It is a straight line to that thing. And, and the like I said, the wake of what you leave behind you. There's just something, I just, I'm sure Maybe they can like file them. the emotional parts of themselves Maybe away. Maybe it's not there. Or it's just not there. Because I think that's totally plausible. So uh, Kate Winslet plays Joanna Hoffman. Amazing. Yeah, she, now she is up for the Oscar for this movie for um, supporting actress. I'm telling you, I think she should direct a movie. I think yeah. she's awesome. She is really fantastic. And in this movie, again, at the beginning, because she's transformed a bit too, she actually looked, I was, I didn't 100% realise it was Kate Winslet for about three minutes. And yeah, I, I was looking it didn't take me three whole minutes, but yeah, I was I'm like, with you. I know who she and is. Like, oh, okay, what? And then I was like, holy <laughs> shit, yeah, that's good. Cool. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, she is fantastic. She's his, like, I love the relationship between them, even though it maybe it's, maybe it's not a real thing in real life. But for this movie, let's just base it just for this movie, that relationship between them is really f- fun to watch because she, there's, there's a scene where she says, like, I'm the, we have, they have uh, an award in the office and I'm the one who can... Yeah, the, yeah. they've had, they give an award every year for who uh, stands up to you, who can stand up and to I you and I've won it three to... years in a row. And that's what she, she's the, very close to him and she can tell him what to do. He might not listen all the time, but she's always saying, come on, a, come on, come on, come on, That's a real thing too, come on. because when you watch... In, everyone has a, most people have a job and in your job you're probably not the person at the top of the food chain person at the top of the food chain might be one of these people but on a smaller scale right you yeah. know like in your small business or in a small government office or whatever it's not a world changing thing it's not the president it's like the director of like where I work he is driven 
He's focused. He has big things, big agendas, big money things, big money problems, big political problems, right? It's a state government. It's all this stuff. All of it. Right next to him, and I wouldn't say beneath or behind. I'm saying right next to him are what appears to be a team of women who do the things that need to be done. While he says... Did we get that meeting with so-and-so? Did we go to the thing? Do we have the van? Have we got the truck ready for this? Have we got the deliver and that? Is the speech ready for that? Have we done this, that? And these women, mostly women that I've noticed, and they're not assistants or anything. They're just in a supporting role, <laughs> so to speak, but right there to make it all happen. And that's why I see her. She's just, there probably were more She's than one PA, person. She's uh, a personal assistant, but like... But beyond that. Yeah. She's, more the, she's the one that... If he has an idea as he's walking down a hallway, she better write it down because as a person driven, then three days later, they're going to turn to you and go, oh, what did you do about that? Whatever. And if you didn't write it down and you didn't follow through on it, then it's kind of your fault because, you know, they... And she also your- has, in this movie, she also has to be everything. She has to be yeah. <laughs> like... When His the, moral compass. When the press want to talk to him, she's kind of, no, don't talk to him, talk to me. I'll. T-. She has to know everything. So she has to... Feed the press everything. I feel like Kate Winslet, as a character actress, playing the character, is more likable than maybe the lady was. I'm right. not sure, but I have a feeling. Yeah, I felt like the lady might have... She's She's got a heart, but I feel like she's closer to him than you gotta she is to... You've got to be hard as nails to be she's that mo- she's a quite She's quite like him. You know, she's. It feels to me this movie doesn't tell you anything about her backstory. No, no. But it feels like to me that she doesn't have much of a backstory because of him. Like, right? Because <laughs> he is her life. Like, she has right. to follow him around. She even says at one point, yeah. "You showed up my apartment at one o'clock in the morning to clean it." Right. I don't know what the boundaries are here in this relationship. So, yeah, I think that was an interesting. If that was true, you yeah. never know. Maybe the late because Kate Winslet actually got to meet the lady. She did. Talk to her, so that could have been one of those things. That's what I don't like about the mixture of the truth and the fake. Because that tells you something about the real people. If you can trust that... If somebody would come out and go, you know what, I watched that movie. I've known all these people in real life. And about 10% of it is Hollywood, you know. But I can forgive it because 90% of it, it rings true. I was there when this happened. I heard that conversation. I've known him for 20 years, right? But when all the conversations you hear are... No, no, no. That's nothing like it. That is nothing like this at all. Then it just, it taints it a little bit. It just makes it something else. I yes, think. exactly. It's just a movie story as opposed to a, any, any kind of... But then it of... can't be just a movie story because it's about a real person who only just died a few years ago. Um, so thirdly, Seth Rogen plays Steve Wozniak. Now, um, Steve Wozniak used to be on the Screensavers a lot. He was a co-host of the Screensavers. And Which if you was? don't know what the Screensavers is, it was <laughs> yeah. a... Well, it's still going now, actually. It was a TV show on Tech TV with Leo Laporte, and uh, they, you know, did tech talk, basically. Uh, and Wozniak was often the the guest announcer. So I know Wozniak quite well. I follow him on Twitter. I mean, I don't know him. No. I, mean, I know <laughs> his personality. I know him. And I think... That Seth Rogen really did it justice. The actual embodiment of him. Because wouldn't you guess that Seth Rogen has also watched interviews and... Met him. Yeah. Remember, he said he met him. So, um, what did you think, Seth Rogen? And you generally don't like Seth I Rogen. do not, but this time, I'm... He wasn't being 
Nope, I'm uh, turned around. And Wozniak is a joker. Sorry, I got the hiccups. Wozniak's a joker. He's funny. He's a bit of a comedian. He's a crazy... But he wasn't funny in this. Crazy millionaire. No, that's what I'm saying. Seth Rogen didn't look at Wozniak and go, oh, well, he's a bit of a joker, so I'll, I'll just be myself. You know? But he didn't... There wasn't... There was a lot of restraint. Yeah, that's what I mean. I he held it back, didn't he? He held it a lot back because in the conversations that we see, which never took place, because Wozniak has... The real person... Apparently Steve the watch Wozniak. thing was real. Right, that he tried to invent a... He invented this crazy watch and it was kind of impractical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun situation, but that situation didn't happen. So that's right. the thing. But I feel like he, given the dialogue he needed to put out there and tell the portions of the story he needed to tell, even knowing none of it happened, I felt like he really balanced out the Steve Jobs pointedness yeah. with... The creative guy over here who, you know, the creative, the actual person who sits the and inventor, solders yeah. the boards and writes the code and li- does all the lines on the motherboard. And, yeah, the engineer guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I felt like he he worked really hard at not trying to overshadow Fassbender, but almost stealing the scene each time only because trying to be nice about things, but then... You feel this bubbling up inside of him. You, I feel it. I feel like he's Steve Wozniak, and he's annoyed, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, he is. And he's like the nerdy guy, and nerdy guys are often quite flaccid in their opinions and their expressions of their opinions. And that came through. Like, I felt that, like... And then, then there's a moment when he does express himself a little more fervently, but not totally, and then he's, he's out of it. And I felt like he really, instead of being, like, caricature... I felt like he did a good job. And that makes me go, oh, okay, I'll watch another one with him in it. From what I read, that is real, though. That, that, um, the Steve Jobs, that Steve Jobs would never mention the Apple II team in any newsletters. Like or because anything. it was such a repeating thing. That was the, a real... Yeah. Um, so what that is in the movie is, well, in real life or anything, is Wozniak was always... He had his team of engineers... And he wanted Steve Jobs to just at least mention them one time in a press conference and say, look, these are the people behind the scenes who are working hard to make Apple products Who actually happen. invented all of the hardware. But he refused. Flat <laughs> yeah. out. Like, like, no, listen, people don't need to know that. Like, We're moving on. We're moving on, he says. We're moving forward. And I have experienced that with, like our director, there is a certain, there's a line that gets drawn. If a mistake is made or a thing doesn't go right, and it's like, okay, that's it. That's yesterday. Yeah. This is today. Let's go on. And it's a necessity, right? Otherwise, people like you and me, me and you, whatever, that's why shit doesn't get done in my life. That's why I don't move forward on that one track over here that I could have because I do get distracted and I do get hung up on things and I do get t- completely turned around on a different track. And I feel like that's actually the heart of this story to me. Which I, I so, get, but I still wish it was more factual. So Jeff Daniels plays John Scully. Um, Jeff Daniels is always quality, I reckon. He is. Um, and he just come off the newsroom on HBO, which was also written by Aaron Sorkin, so he knows Aaron Sorkin's dialogue. So he delivers it quite well in this movie, too. But well, I, I think it's funny about him, because I've heard him say this before, like, he doesn't care about any of the technical stuff at all. In no. fact, he's one of those he people who thinks... He just wants to thinks, watch it afterwards. He says. He also just is kind of like, eh, you know, we're acting. 
it's nothing deep and mysterious. You you get some lines and you get the character kind of in focus and then you do it and then then you just go on. He plays music think, and he has a band I, I, and he has his own little theatrical group and stuff and he doesn't take it all too too seriously. And he was saying like Danny Boyle will come up and tell me I'm doing this shot and that shot and he's like I don't care <laughs> like I really don't care yeah. do it <laughs> I'll do my bit and then later we'll watch it and so I I find that you can. The difference between how he approaches his job as an actor and the way he does his performances is so disconnected because it's so good. Like, he's... I don't know anything about that guy. I never knew that guy even existed. Like, I don't know anything about this Apple history, you know, really. So, but I felt like he was, he was carrying the weight of the, of the dark side of the story with him as a character. You know, you've got Steve Jobs being like, da-da, look at me. And then you've got the reality of business. Big, huge corporation that's been around now for a while. Even by the time that they launched the Macintosh, right? Yeah. It's already been around. So that guy is carrying the weight of a board of directors and investors and blah, blah, blah. And the reality of, yeah, you did a good ad. That was great. You know, the ad that everybody still Ridley talks Scott about. did that one? Right. But let me be the reality check here. It didn't do fuck all for us. Mm-hmm. It didn't sell a million computers. It didn't turn everybody into a. It just Apple. made people talk about Apple. No, he even said they don't even know what it's for. A lot of people just saw the ad and they don't even know what it's for. He's that guy. So he's carrying like the villain. If you think Steve Jobs is the villain, I think that guy's supposed to be like the, uh, you know. But then you're supposed to be like, oh, well, he's just trying to do his job. And I felt like he carried it really well and I was sympathetic to him which you know I didn't want to be for a little while and then I was and understanding that this sort of institutionalized guy who maybe got lucky because he worked for Pepsi and was in the middle of all of that timing you know he was the guy who made Pepsi but we don't know well well, in real life that is who he is right but we don't know what part he played in that that's what I'm saying we don't know if he was any sort of we don't know what the contribution was we only know he was there when Pepsi did the Pepsi generation became huge, equal to Pep Coke, basically. But I w- I'm disappointed to know that a lot of it didn't go down the way it did. Because I would like to see the actual end of their relationship. But You'll probably see that in another movie <laughs> in 10 years' time. Uh, Michael Stolberg. Oh, I hope not. I think we're, I'm done with Steve Jobs. Let's move on. No, no, no disrespect intended, no. but holy shit. Michael Stolberg, who we saw last week in uh, Trumbo. Plays Andy Hertzfeld. He's really good. Andy Hertzfeld, yeah. Because I didn't realize it, and then you're, I'm like, oh, yeah. He's the guy from A Serious Man. Yeah, and he's good. He's so... He slips in there, and he disappears completely, Yeah, it's like I you think. don't notice him. Which no. is I'm not, I'm not saying that in a bad way. No, that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and he was great last week, too. And in this, in this one, yeah, I love it. There's some scenes in there. The one where Fassbender's threatening him. Putting his finger on it. <laughs> yeah. The look on his face is like... <laughs> it's priceless. And like. he has a certain demeanor that really speaks to the computer geeky programmer guy. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be general, but if you know enough of them, I work in... Yeah, he's exactly one of those. A place where yeah. there are lots of hardcore programming people who do not like Windows. They, If they had their choice, there would never be a window on that screen. It would all be text. It would all be typing and programming. And if you want to speak to somebody, there would be no internet for everybody because that's a... <laughs> One guy says, all that is is like a big chunk of crap between you and the computer and it's just a waste of time. And so that's how hardcore. So I'm, I'm familiar with the people who have a certain 
disconnect from like the um, aesthetics. Steve Jobs is all about aesthetics, all about how he looks and his clothes and the look of everything. This guy is 100% obviously kind of a, I won't say genius because I don't know, but he's the guy behind the programming. So his demeanor and the way he carries his bag and the way he's dressed and the way he does his lines. He's in the, he's, a, he's faced with this guy who he knows is the boss, essentially. So he's sort of holding back, and yet he says everything in a way that needs to be said. So I think that I was convinced. I, I'd forgotten who he was until you told me afterwards. And then finally... I mean, to me, he's that guy. Catherine Waterston plays Chris Ann Brennan, and she is like the lady who... I wonder what her real story is. Jobs the mother of his daughter. Mother of his daughter. And you, you will have seen her last in um, Inherent Vice. She was a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was um, good. And she is. She's really good. I like her. And in this too, it's um. You know, you don't you don't know whether to believe her or not. Some of the time, you don't know what's going on with her. Then it kind of the movie kind of makes it a little bit clearer towards the end. But I think she played it well. I wonder what the real lady thinks, because she's not portrayed well. No, she's portrayed terrible. Like she's a, a evil enemy. Not evil. Just a terrible mother who. Taps into this idea that well, <laughs> like, you have keep saying she's of got a nasal, nasal issue, yeah. <laughs> sinus, <laughs> sinus issues, yeah. Which is the sinus issues is probably coke. Um, <laughs> well, that's you mm. just jumped there. Well, that's no that's what the, that's immediately what I thought. Oh no, I don't it was think drugs. That. No, I don't think that. That's all. why she couldn't get up in the morning. Um, that's a big leap. I think well, she's just lazy. No, I didn't think she was lazy. I thought the sinus issue was she had she was doing drugs. And that's why she needed all the money all the time. Hmm. I disagree. No, that's that. That's very, very disparaging about a real person who exists in the world that you've decided that about her. I, I wouldn't be surprised to read <laughs> that that was what the whole thing was. Um, so this is directed by Danny Boyle, who um, is one of Britain's finest directors. <laughs> he also comes from my hometown of Manchester, so... Hometown. You make it sound quaint and cute. Props to a... Danny Boyle, yeah. Um, Danny Boyle made some amazing films. I'll recommend one at least. This, but you'll you'll might know his films: Train Spotting, <laughs> Millions, Slumdog Millionaire, which he got an Oscar for. Um, hey, you know what? You know what else he did? He did the uh, opening ceremony for the Olympics when it was in England. He actually directed the entire sure. opening ceremony. So yeah, Danny Boyle. He's also been knighted. So yeah, he's he's a I. You know, the first movie he ever did, Shallow Grave, I saw it in the theatres. It is a fantastic movie, you should watch it. It's very of its time, but it's an awesome little story. But then he did Train Spotting after that, and I went to see that because I was like, oh, I'm a fan of this Danny Boyle guy, I want to see what he does next. Train Spotting is unbelievable, it's a classic, I think. Just so happens his next film is Train Spotting 2, <laughs> many years later. Um, but yeah, he's made some fantastic films. I fi- I think he's a fantastic director. I think he can try his... You know, you can tell it. He's one of those directors where you can kind of tell that it's directed by him. Kind it has of a certain really. movement to it. I like don't it, know. it moves. The music is very specific to him. He likes to use a lot of electronic music. But it's not... A, it's not to me, it's not distinguished. He doesn't have a stamp stamp to well me. I think he has an absolute stamp I think you do framing. because you're biased yeah. because you like him framing you, and if movement. I were to look at them as a non-viewer and you mix them in with ten other movies I wouldn't be able, and then and you said to me okay Danny I mean, Boyle directed is like 
five out of these ten movies, which one's Danny Boyle? I don't think you would know. If you knew nothing about the movie industry, I don't think they would stand out anymore than a lot of other ones that have high quality and good music and, you know. Yeah, well, if you have watched Danny Boyle, then let's say, you will know his, his trademark is... Because he didn't do Social Network. No, Electronic Music. Which had a very similar kind of vibe. Um... Nah, it's a bit more, bit more doom and gloomy than a, a Danny Boyle film. He's kind of hyper a little bit, like yeah. he is in real life. <laughs> yes. If you go, if you watch him in the extras of this Blu-ray and watch how he act, how he operates, he's very. Oh, let's do this. Let's do. It. He's very. Yes. Very. Well, I think his films are like that too. They have that kind of feel to them. Like, you know, this is exciting. You're watching this. It's exciting. It's exciting. Even if it's two people stood in a room talking. No, this is exciting. You, you know, that's his vibe. So, um, yeah, Danny Boyle, excellent. You love him, too. <laughs> I don't know if I love him, but, I mean, he's good because he has a... No, I mean, I He I wants to tell the story, but I actually think that he... He is like a Steven Spielberg to me. He doesn't rely and doesn't make you think that he's the star of the show. It's not him that makes the movie good. He hires people and has people around him who are good at all the individual things. And he seems to tap into that. Like, you're the best costume designer. The same lady who's worked with him on other movies. He uses that, right? So it's not him doing that costume. It's not him making the set. It's not him doing the makeup or him doing the music, necessarily. He hires a composer who gets it. And then he lets that composer, he lets the performers make up stuff and add stuff. But I feel his stamp. But that's not is his that. stamp. Yeah, but you don't. It does not. Re- it's like not he comes to those people and says, "Look, my thing is, I want this kind of music and that kind." Right, of... Right, but that's not a Quentin Tarantino stamp because Quentin Tarantino is what it is. It's Quentin Tarantino. There is no escaping it because it's him that all these people are channeling through him. Right, Danny Boyle. It's like. I'm bringing everybody to the show, and because he has a certain aesthetic himself that he likes to pull together, it's just Which is in every film, yeah. It's high quality. That's the thing about it. And the filmmaking, I think he also is very interested in moving forward and new technologies, and I think that shows Oh, yeah, this movie. movie. Forgot to mention. Yeah. It's in three acts, and it's also filmed three different ways. The very first part is filmed with old-school 70s film stock. So when you look at the backgrounds, it is very grainy, like an old film looks. Not an old film, but a film from the 70s. The middle part is on this, the 80s film stock, which looks, like he said, ethereal and kind of glamorous looking. I don't see any of this, but... I, I totally... <laughs> I, said to, I turned to yep. you and said, oh, I love how they're doing this on old film. And then the third part is all digital, because it's the beginning of the digital age, really. So, um, yeah, it, there is a style used in this movie, which you can see if you're looking. Um... So, extras, there's quite, well, it's actually good in terms of extras. There's three extras. There's Inside Jobs, the making of Steve Jobs. It's 44 minutes long, split into three parts. And it's really good. It was good. Behind the scenes, interviews. I would like more with the real people, but... Yeah, it doesn't really cover that. But it does cover the making of this film, which is what it says it does. And then there's feature commentary with Danny Boyle. And then there's a totally separate feature commentary with Aaron Sorkin, the writer. So um, if you want to know all about this Steve Jobs movie, that is a good set of extras. Commentaries are priceless, really. And I do like it when... I don't like commentaries where the writer and the director are on the same commentary. 
because they over-talk each other all the time. So I'm glad it's separated out on this because it's a different perspective. A writer's perspective is very different to a director's, I find. So when you wear them both together, you never get the whole story. You just get half and half. Whereas you get Danny Boyle talking about the whole movie, then you understand the director's point of view. And the director's point of view is always the point of view I want to see it, listen to it from. So um, in conclusion on uh, Steve Jobs by Danny Boyle. Is that a question? Yes. What's your conclusion? My conclusion is I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really good Danny Boyle movie. I think, don't take this as any, like we've said before, don't take this as uh, the true story of Steve Jobs because mm-hmm. it is not. But if you have any interest in like Apple, computers and a story told around those events, then I think it's a high quality, high quality. well acted movie. And if I'm going to apply one of my words to it, some might think it would be inspiring. But no, I don't find people like Steve Jobs that inspiring, to be honest. It is thoughtful. That's one of my five words that every week I'm going to apply to a movie. And that is because it makes you think, you know, the way they put it all together, it does make you think that truly, if you want to move forward on any particular thing in your existence on this planet, you could probably make it happen. There is a cost, as we learned in uh, Bridge of Spies. There, are, There's always a cost to yeah. these things, but... That makes you think about it. What what could I have done? What can I still do? It doesn't inspire me to do it. So that's why it's not inspiring. I don't find it inspiring to be a person who completely neglects... Or the idea of someone who, who neglects other quality things in their life to focus on one thing. And I'm going to apply that to anything. Even if it's curing a disease or making a technology that saves millions of people's lives. While that in itself is a good thing... There is a cost, right? And so I think about that, like, you know. So, to me, I'm, I was completely lost in it from the first couple of minutes, particularly because of Kate Winslet and then Fassbender's thing, you know, the way he just, I don't know, I was sort of like, I was irritated that I had to pee at some point and we had to pause, like, and go pee. That doesn't happen very often. I was, like, holding it, holding it, like, I don't want to stop because I'm in it. I'm like, I'm here with these people and trying to follow this thing. And so... That, it's well, a good movie. That's not a rave I, review that I didn't want to go pee, but <laughs> and yeah. we will, uh, it's high you know, quality. And it is up for some Oscars, so we will see it in the Oscar ceremony. So um, thanks to Universal Do you for think the it blue... should be best of all the ones we've seen? No. Hmm. I was looking up a picture of Steve Jobs because I've forgotten what he actually looked like. There he is. You've forgotten what he looks like? I did. I mean, no, he so was skinny times, and stuff, yeah. but well, well, you yeah, know what? Not me. I'm not tech. That's, the, that's the, the outfit that Fassbender chose to wear, but... I think mean, uh, he wore that a lot. Yeah. yeah, he did. But it was his trademark. Those white sneakers and the black turtleneck. Um, so thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, go to ascoli.com. You can win something. Uh, next week's Blu-ray review is talking of the Oscars. And it will be Oscar weekend next weekend. So we'll be watching The Danish Girl, which is also up for Best Picture. Next, um, no, movie recommendations. I am going with on the theme of Steve Jobs. So I've got three this week instead of two. So I'm cheating. Number one uh, is on the theme of Danny Boyle, and it would be Train Spotting, his finest movie, in my opinion. It is a fantastic movie. It's not... I don't even think it's really dated. It's like a classic movie. It's, it's just a really compelling, sad movie. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad they're making a sequel to it. 
and Danny Boyle's actually getting to do it. That's not sad. Yeah, it's very sad. Train spotting. It's got sad it parts. nearly makes me cry every time. But overall, it's a, it's actually a, uplifting thing. It's got so, so much. It's sadness. got sadness in it, yes. But it is also that like, well, what's sad that you admit that life can suck the life out of you because you buy a washing machine and a car and a mortgage and blah blah blah. As the movie starts out telling you, somebody dying is a, somebody dying is sad. It is a part of the story, but overall, the idea is: Do I find my own? thing to where I can actually be happy and not be a zombie that just lives, you know, like a industri- you know, whatever. You know, all the adults are portrayed as very boring and very blah, and unless you're a heroin addict, you're not having any fun. But he's figuring out that that's not necessarily true. So, to me, it's not a so I overall always love, sad story. And my favorite pie is the dinner scene. Or the <laughs> breakfast scene. <laughs> Which is funny every time I think about it. It's horrific know, and funny. pretty. Huh? But the part the bar is pretty when he's playing pool. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty horrific. But that the that scene is funny and horrific at the same time. The breakfast thing. It's well, really... then there's the baby, and then there's the cats, and then there's the. So yeah, go and watch Train Spotting. <laughs> yeah, Mas- it's not uplifting. I'm not saying that. <laughs> you um, feel a little dirty after you've watched it, but don't do heroin. That'll be the uh, number one. It's definitely an anti-heroin. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> The second movie I am recommending is Michael Fassbender in Shame, which is about a man who has sex addiction, and it is very, very dark. It's very good. Yeah. It's high so quality it's, as well. it's him getting into a character and just being that character completely. And not really, you know, he, he's nude in it quite a bit, and he he's totally uh, just goes with it. Everything about that movie. That There's a movie that is an R rating for a particular reason. I was saying to you, this movie's R rated, Steve Jobs. And I was saying about how the censors rate things and how this movie being rated R doesn't seem like it should be nowadays. I think maybe we need to revise ratings. <laughs> yes. Because this movie's rated R and the only reason it's rated R is because there's a few fuck words. And I mean, I'm talking not many. You mean the word fuck a few times? Yeah, not many. No. Um, so my third um, one is... Shame is my second one. My third one is uh, on Kate Winslet. And that would be Revolutionary Road, a movie she did. Her husband directed it, and she did it with um, Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's my favorite Kate Winslet movie. It is good. I don't know, The Reader is really good. I like that one. If you've never heard of it, The Reader is really good. It's got one of those moments where you're like, whoa. (laughs) Like, first of all, you go, whoa, ugh, 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 what? (laughs) That's what I loved about it. And yours are? Mine are going with the... The trend of 2016 that I'm putting forward here for my movie recommendations that I'm going to recommend or try to recommend as many movies from the list of movies I have seen in my life. I have compiled on IMDb a list and made a spreadsheet. As I've sorted them alphabetically, the numbers rise to the top and we are now in the threes. So if you don't think about movies like this, it's kind of fun to look at a big long list because a lot of them start with, like, you know... If you think, oh, how many movies start with the word dog? Well, you'd be surprised. And then you'd like look down the list. And so I'm up to the threes. So we are at three men and a baby. Yeah. Three men and a little lady. Those yeah. kind of go together. 300 and 3,000 miles to Graceland. No, 300, we know. And that's got a sequel as well. So we'll lump them together. 3,000 miles to Graceland was fun. It's probably not as good as I remember. I liked it at the time because it's kind of wacky. Um, Kurt Russell, right? And who else was in there? 
like an action movie, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, yeah. There's some Elvis impersonators, and you know, it's just kind of one of those side. It was trying to be something kind of along the lines of Tarantino-y. True trying, romance. yeah, true romancey, but it wasn't quite there. But it was still fun. It so. was that time when movies were like kind of like everybody was trying to do trying that. to be Bonnie and Clyde kind of but con- cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are mine. All right, so games and A. Scully stuff. I've been playing mostly Android games this week, so what I wanted to do here is not review these Android games, but give you some suggestions of cool Android games, because I've been trying some out. And I've found three that uh, I would highly recommend to anybody with an Android device. Number one, and this was recommended by a friend of mine, is The Walking Dead Survival Instinct. And it's a Walking Dead game based on the AMC series not the comic and it's a turn-based zombie killing mobile game with a bit of base building because you have to build up a uh, base of operations and then you send your survivors out on different missions and it follows side stories that would have took place in the show if the show had a side sort of spin-off so if you like the amc walking dead this features the characters, Rick and Daryl, and they actually all kind of crisscross into this game. And there's a story that goes along. There's videos, like cutscenes with videos. Um, so yeah, it's AMC's The Walking Dead Survival Instinct. It's on Android, and it's free to play. It's one of those free to play, but you can buy gold and all that crap if you want to. Uh, my other game I'm going to recommend is Need for Speed No Limits on Android. It's the new Need for Speed game. Well, it's an, it's actually... Not, like, usually what they do is they put one out on console and make a mobile version. Well, this is a brand new mobile game that's nothing to do with the console versions. So it's exclusive to Android. And it's a racing game. It's full 3D graphics. It looks really good. It's that kind of, whatever this mobile formula is, where you play a little bit and you get some gold and you get something. They All mobile games seem to be like that. It's that kind of thing. But it's fun and it's free. So what have you got to lose? (laughs) And the third game is called Lost in Harmony on Android. And this one is a really cool art style. And it's a rhythm game, like a a Guitar Hero or, or a, you know, that kind of game. But it's a story of this boy and he's traveling from one place to another um, on a skateboard but there's a story in between the levels and the art style is its just fantastic looking. It's, it's very unique and the music that you're playing along to is like classical music that you'll know. Like all the, all the hits of classical. And you're tapping the screen in time to the music but while you're doing it the guy on the skateboard is moving away. He's moving towards the screen and things are happening in the background and you're tapping in time to the music for him to dodge things. Moving toward the screen, I always hate that. Yeah, it's coming towards the screen. It's cool, it's called Lost in Harmony. It's also free. There's some in-app purchases if you want to. If not, you play the levels and you earn the gold and you carry on. So that is my Games and A Scully stuff for this week. Three uh, Android games that you should play. So, Sid Talk, what's for dinner? Subway. <laughs> that is it. Subway. Subway. Yeah. Okay. Subway. Well prepared. I don't want to cook. I don't want to clean, even though you do the cleaning. I just feel like we haven't had it all week, and it sounds really good and really hearty. So that's what we're having. Yeah. And uh, your advice My before advice we leave? is 
We all need people and stuff, right? We need to survive, we need food, we need shelter, we need water, and we need people. Whether I like to admit it or not most of the time. But you need people. Like, people and other creatures. Just fills life with good, you know. We need to rely on people sometimes. You need emotional support from people sometimes. But, and I'm going to say but, not however. And people who read any sort of seminars about linguistics will know what I'm saying. But don't be needy. I fucking hate to be around needy people. I'm not saying I hate needy people. I hate being around it. I hate being required to supplement someone's needs. Emotional or informational or attention. I hate it. I like attention, but I like it in doses. I did. I I grab it when I need it in the way I want it and then back the fuck off. I don't need you all the time. I don't need people to, like, um, what's the word? Like, validate my emotions. I don't need people to react to my emotions because I'm just expressing my emotions. I don't need a follow-up. I don't need an explanation. I don't need to give an explanation. I don't need someone there. Because what it does is this, like, sucks the world. People who are, like, clingy and, like, but what? But why did, but what, but, uh, uh, I just hate that. I really do. It makes me want to claw my eyes out. And it makes me more of my own, my personality is more withdrawn. So kind of close up. So you're a tiny bit needy. You don't know this, but you are. You're on the tiniest end of the spectrum. Whereas when we were watching that EastEnders the other day and the Tina character, and that's what made me think. Oh, oh. he's super needy. Just that the idea that you have to, I mean, that's a fictional character, but it's real life. Because I've had friends in the past who aren't my friends anymore because of this thing. Where it is, well, I tried to call you, but you didn't answer. What, are you mad at me? I told you, um, nope, I had a friend who... Oh, yeah, would show up at your house. And literally sit on the doorstep waiting for me to come home from work just so he could hang out. And, and then even if you said, well, I'm going to do this or that, they'd be like, oh, cool, I'll hang cool, out Cool, I'll do that too. Yeah. And that's a needy person now. It can be a sad needy person, which is different than just your run-of-the-mill It's really hard annoying. to ditch those type of people, too. It is, because if it's a sad needy person, they're needy for a reason. But you shouldn't be expected to fill their needs for mm. them. Like, I don't care if you're my husband. I really don't. I don't care if you're my best friend or my mother or my sister. That if in a moment when I can support you on a thing, I'm going to do it. But if it's a constant, like a vacuum sucking all my energy towards you because you can't fucking grow up, that bothers me. The idea of it bothers me. I met a friend of mine who's probably listening to this. And the first time we met, we got to talking. It was in a professional setting. And yet, one of the things talking about friends, one of her comments was, well, I'm the kind of friend that might never talk to you or call you I might talk to you three times a year and don't be like asking me to lunch all the time and if you do I might not go and I was like perfect <laughs> like that doesn't put me off at all I love that attitude it works beautifully for me all right so if you are super needy you have to define what don't that be is. your friend don't be my friend <laughs> Or accept the fact that I'm not going to reciprocate. I don't need to justify your feelings. If you're a grown person, if you're an adult, if you're a child, that's different. That's, we're not talking about children here. Children do need people to understand them and explain things to them and give them feedback and give them understanding in a way that then helps them grow up to be a person who is not needy. 
So if you never grew out of it, but you don't identify it, but you wonder why people are always hurting your feelings and people are always not calling you back and they must not like you and so-and-so just hates me and this machine hates me and my keyboard hates me. Think about it. You're probably too needy. <laughs> All right, so let me remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com and sidtar.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the RSS feed. Just go to aschoolie.com slash podcast or Microsoft's music thing. You can catch us on Stitcher, but they still haven't fixed the feed for some reason, so you can only hear some of the episodes. So for now, just go to aschoolie.com. You can email feedback to aschoolie at aschoolie.com. Don't email SidTalk. And finally, stay classy and rest in peace, Mr. Steve Jobs. Was he classy? He probably was fairly classy. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you.